What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Bobby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with a right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) It's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Home run pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer... To the best of the Akron Zips. Now, it's time for SPT. Ladies and gentlemen from Northeast Ohio and beyond, you're listening to the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. This is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. This is Jake Murrin, and I'll serve as the host of your show today. And for every Sports Power Talk, you can expect two experts across the desk from me. First, he's a baseball group guru. He sat in this very seat on Thursday night when he did a fantastic job hosting pregame, halftime, and postgame shows for the Akron Zips and Buffalo Bulls game. He is Dev Lucas. How you doing, Jake? Doing great, Dev. How are you doing, man? A little lag from daylight savings, but I'm all right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are experiencing that. Hopefully everybody's tuning in right now yeah. and not being an hour behind as if it was 10 o'clock. But second, he's the sports widow, as he's called up here at WZIP Sports. He's also one of the most entertaining members <clears throat> WZIP Sports has ever seen. And he was at last night's MAC Championship game covering it on Twitter. He is... Marcus Anderson. Yeah, I was wondering why I woke up an hour early from our alarm. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, daylight savings time, man. It it always messes with you for a couple days and yeah. you kind of get used to it. But I do think it's a little bit better, you know, when it's lighter outside, later in the day. You know, when you wake up earlier, it's dark. So it's going to take some adjusting. Hopefully everybody's tuning into the show right now, like we said. And this is usually the part of the show where I tell you all what you can expect out of today's show. But... There is kind of a shadow around the station and university right now. I realize that. So, yeah, we're going to talk about the Cavs, NBA headlines, the NFL draft, wide receivers on the board for the Browns, and so much more. But the biggest storyline this week in the sports world as it relates to this radio station and this audience is the 2023 Mid-American Conference Tournament. It's no secret that it didn't go the Zips way for both the men and and the women will talk about it both extensively in the first hour of Sports Power Talk today. And yes, while it is a bit doom and gloom right now for us representing the University of Akron, there is something about this radio station that I am incredibly proud of on this Sunday morning. I'll reference it at some point in the show today, but let's get into the Akron Zips men's basketball team's performance in the MAC tournament. We start on a positive note with a win over Buffalo. Of course, we'll talk about their loss to Kent State here in a minute, but let's start with how they did in the quarterfinal matchup, the 101-77 to win over the <laughs> Buffalo Bulls on Thursday. I was up in Cleveland covering it with Pat Weber. Dev, 
I mentioned it. You and Alex Henry here in studio doing your pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage. I'll send it right over to you, Dev. What did you think about that masterclass of a performance by the Akron Zips? Yeah, I really liked what we saw out of the Zips in the Buffalo game. They did a good job from keeping the Bulls from hanging around. Castaneda had yet another 30-plus performance. That's all three games against Buffalo this season, counting the one in the MAC tournament, where he has scored thirty, at least 30 points against Buffalo. But... I even said this on Thursday during the post-game show, and it was actually one of my keys going into the game in the pre-game show. Um, Akron has to lim- lim- limit the turnovers. They had 12 turnovers in this game, still scored 101 points, but I said it in the post-game show, I thought it was going to cost Akron, and ultimately it did in the Kent game, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, you're exactly right there, but sticking to this Buffalo game for now, the Zips, they shot the ball 59% from the floor and 52% from three-point range. They never trailed in the game, and for me, looking at this game, there's really nothing to c- complain about. Sure, you can complain about the turnovers, but when you win 101-77, to 77, you have Xavier scoring 31, Enrique scoring 19 to get 13 points from Sammy and Trendon there on the floor as well. It was just a beautiful performance to witness live at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse against Buffalo. Marcus, any thoughts on this first-round matchup for Akron? Oh, I had no doubts that it was going to come up with come out with the W against the Buffalo Bulls. I mean, we every time we always take their lunch money. I mean, we're pretty much their personal bullies for real. Um, this is just as this was expected as it happened. Had four guys finishing double digits at points, and Xavier being Xavier as always, being the X man scoring thirty one points. I mean, this was nothing at all. This was a cakewalk as I expected. Yeah, it really was in those first two matchups in their regular season against Buffalo. was really telling to how this matchup in the Mid-American Conference was really going to play out. One more thing from this game that I want to mention. That's Evan Wilson, guys. I know there was a lot of hype around <laughs> Evan Wilson in this game. There's a video on Twitter. If you haven't seen it, go to Logan Congress Twitter page of... The people up here at the studio, Dev, you were involved in this as yep. well, at WZIP, watching it in our director's room. And when he hit that three-pointer, just I feel like the people in here, the people in Akron really yeah, embraced that three-pointer from Evan yeah, Wilson. Any comment on that shot, guys? Well, what was the atmosphere like in Cleveland when that happened? I know you were at the game. So not a ton. Like, the, the fans on both sides, there weren't a ton of fans on both sides for either team that first-round matchup. But I'll say the bench went absolutely insane. And it was a question I asked of the players post-game. I asked uh, Enrique Freeman after the game, and I was like, hey, the bench, they had energy all game long, but perhaps not more energy than when Evan Wilson hit that three-pointer later in the game. He played two minutes in the game. He got in very late, but he had an effect. He went one for one from the field, of course, shot that three-pointer, went in, and that bench just went absolutely ballistic. Yeah, that yeah was... definitely. It's always great to see E. Willie hit three every once in a while, <laughs> especially at garbage time. We got nothing else to celebrate for. It's always great to see E. Willie hit three one time. Garbage time, MVP. <laughs> I love the the nickname. The E. Willie just cracks me up. <laughs> it really does crack me up. And I, I should give me one of those t-shirts for real. Yeah, <laughs> he's got merch. He's got merch. That's for sure. Well, I'm happy we're starting the show on a positive note here. Unfortunately, it's going to go in the opposite direction right now as we have to recap a game versus Kent State, of course, in the semifinals of the Mid-American Conference Tournament. Akron lost 79-73 to to Kent State. And, Dev, you mentioned the turnovers. Akron, they committed 18 costly turnovers in this game compared to Kent State 7. Before we break, to, break down this game and give our thoughts on it, here is head coach of the Akron Zips, John Gross, and his opening statement after the loss to the Golden Flashes. 
Well, first, I want, I want to give a lot of credit to Kent. Obviously, they played uh, well. You know, I thought the difference in the game for us, which is, I mean, I, I haven't been doing it a long time, but when you're minus 24 on points off turnovers and minus eight in second chance points, and that's a 32-point difference, you know, I bet nine out of ten times that is a blowout. So I give our guys a lot of credit for showing a lot of grit and resolve. You know, we're down 34-19 in the first half, called timeout, come back, cut it to four at the half. Uh, then we're down 18 in the second half, come back, cut it to four. And just the grit and resolve this group showed I thought was amazing because uh, we didn't play great. They played well. Give them credit. They forced some of those turnovers. I thought we were a little sloppy at times. Uh, but at the end of the day, the turnover differential was the – you know, points off turnovers was the difference in the game. Uh, but a great group. You know, obviously these two guys are awesome. Uh, Castaneda is a senior uh, with Hank. Those guys had a chance to share after the game. I'm just, I'm really proud of the group. You know, we won 22 games, which is, you know, up there for one of the best seasons, certainly in school history, playing one of the most challenging schedules that Akron's ever played. Um and uh, so that's the result deal, but that doesn't tell the whole story of the group. I mean, the group's been, you know, I'm going to miss going to practice with the group. Um, you know, if this ends up being the, you know, the last game, uh, I love the group. The character of the group's unbelievable, both on and off the court. It made it fun to go to work every day. You know, I've been doing it 30 plus years as an assistant, associate head coach and head coach. And I mean, I enjoyed the season as much as any I've been a part of. And a lot of that has to do with these two guys up here and they, their teammates in the locker room, the character that they have, how they handle themselves on and off the court. You know, just really proud to be their coach. There you have it. That was head coach of the men's Akron Zips team, John Gross, after the loss to the Kent State Golden Flashes in the semifinal round of the Mid-American Conference Tournament. Lost 79-73. to He talked a lot about the turnovers in this game and then kind of got reflective of the season as a whole for Akron. Guys, let's stick with this game for now. What do you think of Akron's performance against Kent State? Yeah, I think the Zips just seemed like they weren't really ready to play against Kent. And maybe it has something to do with them playing back-to-back. I know they're not really used to that and with this tournament atmosphere. Um, but, yeah, 18 turnovers really early on. Zips beat themselves. And honestly... If they didn't go on both those runs at the end of the first half, end of the second half, we might be talking about a 50-point swing here. Uh, It looked absolutely terrible for the Zips. And statistically, Enrique did score 26 points. Another great game against Kent. Castaneda had a better game than he did uh, on the third. But down the stretch, shots were not falling. And he really seemed to be a defensive liability at the end of the game. Yeah, and that conversation coming up again, and that's interesting because we had this conversation when Akron lost to Kent State in the regular season finale mm-hmm. when Xavier Castaneda didn't play to the level that he set all season long, yeah. right? And we were questioning, is Xavier Castaneda a liability to this team? We all know that Xavier Castaneda, we give him a lot of the credit for how far this Akron Zips team has made it this season. Mm-hmm. So we're not discrediting him at all. But that regular season performance against Kent State on the road was a little lackluster, and then we see him come to the MAC tournament. He gets on fire against Buffalo, and then when it comes to Kent State again, he's two for 11 from three-point range. Of course, he filled it up 21 points. A lot of those points scored at the free-throw line, but two for 11 from three-point range, and that question of, hey, is he a liability? And sure, he deserves a place on the floor, in my opinion, but should we be running the offense through a guy like Xavier Castaneda late in a game 
that's the question. And to me, I don't think so, especially when you have Enrique Freeman down low, yeah. who had 26 points in this game, 18 rebounds. He had a double-double at halftime. So I think that's where you really have to maneuver this offense. Of course, you can only do so much when players are getting double teamed, and Kent State's defensive yeah. scheme in this game looked really well, really good as well. Marcus, any thoughts on, I guess, Castaneda's performance? Was he a liability? What should have been the recipe for success going into this game for Akron? Well, loss is like this. You definitely look at the little things pretty much, and just seeing the not just Xavier, but the rest of the team, I know it's two for 11, but you usually see other guys go on fire, like Trent Hankerson. It was a surprise for him to just score 11, go for three for six from behind the arc. Sammy Hunter just scoring below 10 points. And then the rest of the team, guys, you usually see John Gross work the rotation a lot more. I mean, only seeing Garvey Clark play for 18 minutes, Nate Johnson play for 10, and Tavari, I know you'll play a freshman that much during this time of the year, but Tavari he does only getting one minute. He was only in the game for one minute of the game, and just he usually worked the rotation and like the whole starting five each got thirty more than thirty minutes in the game. He usually worked the rotation a lot more than this, and like he said in the interview in the post game, getting minus safe off a of second chance points, minus twenty four off of turnovers. Yeah, like it, like he said, and like I said, you look at the little things, and this was one of those little things. Yeah, Marcus, turnovers were huge in this game. There were forty one combined fouls in the game in a forty minute game. Just. A lot of aggressive play out there on both sides of the ball. The second half was really all Kent State as they led by 18 points at one point. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, Akron eventually came back to put up a fight, but it was too little, too late. We saw a sincere carry, who was the tournament MVP, scored 21 points against us, but it was Miran Thomas who scored 24 points against the Akron Zips. And at the end of the day, sincere carry, Miran Thomas, Malik Jacobs, and Chris Payton were just better than the group of Akron, which was Enrique Freeman, Xavier Castaneda, Sammy Hunter, and Trendon Hankerson. Let's look at the season as a whole, this 2023 season for the Akron Zips. What do you guys think of it? Any season takeaways that you can maybe look into next year a little bit hopeful for this team? Well, the season as a whole was very fun to watch. But honestly, now looking back on it, Akron seemed like they finished right about where they should have been. They were really about the third team in the MAC. Uh, so they finished third, and in the tournament, they seemed <clears> like they were right about third. Ken and Toledo both clearly better than this team. Um, something that I kind of thought was interesting, the November part of the schedule now, this could maybe be chalked up to Akron starting slow. They did finish with a losing record, and it kind of showed me that Akron could not keep up with decent opponents that are non-conference, um, finishing with a losing record in November, three and four. Yeah, and John Gross even mentioned it, too, in that clip that I played, and he talked about how he was incredibly proud of this Akron Zips team this year with the record that they put up with the strength of schedule that they had. I mean, we remember that opening game this year where Greg Tribble missed a wide-open uh, layup at the end of the game, yeah. went into overtime, and then he redeemed himself at the free-throw line and won that game, I believe it was against South Dakota State. Mm -hmm. So we remember that contest, but to do what the Akron Zips did this year Against the teams that they did, I think there's a lot of positive things you can take away. Um, but I agree with you, Dev. You know, we kind of finished where a lot of people expected us to finish. And, of course, the ceiling was winning the MAC tournament again, getting an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. But, unfortunately, we did fall short. And, unfortunately, it did come at the hands of our rival down the road in Kent State. Marcus, any thoughts <clears throat> on the season for the Zips? 
well, with other teams, when you ha- when other teams had to deal with the changes they had to deal with and just to this season, like losing a lot of key players from last year due to transferring and had to get a new class, get new transfers and make up for those. And I, this team always makes you so proud. And John Gross, he's doing a great job. I'm so glad he's staying here for three more years on his contract. Probably going to get another contract extension. Like this is, he knows how to keep the team g- together. And this is really a winning foundation, a winning program. This is becoming. And with Trenton Hankerson and Xavier Casadega, I mean, it's it's sad to see him leave. I'm I'm gonna miss him, but at the same time, I'm gl- kind of glad they're leaving because I like to see Nate Johnson get a lot more playing time next season and maybe get in the starting lineup. He deserves a spot in the starting lineup because I can really see him being the brightest star of this team right here. And Tavari Johnson, the the future is only bright with this guy right here. He could be the he could be the fill-in, the successor of Xavier. I could really see him being a key contributor, being a leader for this team for years to come. I mean, he's only a freshman. He's not even he's not even yet legal enough to enter into a bar legally yet. And the future is only bright. The sky is the limit for this team. And Sammy Hunter, he's only going to get better. Yeah, I see a lot of good things with this team. This has really become one of the winningest and proud basketball programs at all of college basketball. Wow, very very optimistic, Marcus, for next year, especially when you were losing arguably our best player in Xavier Castaneda. Of course, Enrique Freeman has an argument for that spot as well. But I'm also high on uh, Tavari Johnson. That was a name I was going to bring up on today's show as well. We saw him earlier on in the year have electric performances when Xavier wasn't performing to the standard that he set for himself this year. And he really provided a spark off the bench in many of those games. So I'm excited to see what he does especially in the starting lineup next year. And then who knows what happens in the transfer portal, too. I'm sure John Gross is going to be able to recruit some guys and get some guys here that will play some valuable minutes for us next year alongside Enrique Freeman. And what you mentioned about John Gross, I kind of had in my notes as well that John Gross, he just always does what he always does. He puts this team in the best possible position to succeed. He did the exact same thing this year. The highlight of the year, of course, was that home win over Kent State where we packed the jar and then some rushed the court. It was an amazing, amazing scene there at James A. Rhodes Arena. It it just hurts that we won't see Xavier and Enrique on the floor together anymore. Obviously, we wish Xavier Castaneda the best for the future. And I want to throw this question to you guys before we move on and talk about the MAC tournament as a whole. Obviously, with with Xavier Castaneda no longer eligible to play in college basketball, do we think that Castaneda has a good chance of getting drafted? Uh, I'm not sure. Based on his performance at the end of the season, it's hard for me to say that he he will get drafted. Uh, it's unlikely, less likely, maybe. I could just see him playing pro ball in the internationals. Yeah, I mean, I could see it too. Pat Weber, who is... One of the biggest homers I know, who is a Zips fan through and through, was talking to me on Thursday. And, of course, that was the game where Xavier went off against Buffalo about how Xavier Castaneda will get drafted. He will get drafted in the second round of the of the NBA draft. And I'm kind of hesitant towards the idea. I think the future is limitless for this young man. I really do think highly of Xavier Castaneda. But I think one of the best basketball players in Akron history is Lauren Christian Jackson, and he didn't get drafted. So if a guy like LCJ didn't get drafted, and of course there were things with his height, I think that limited him a lot, but 
I don't know, Marcus, I know you remember Lauren Christian Jackson oh, yeah, probably definitely. more than Dev would. But when I think of Lauren Christian Jackson and his game, and to consider a guy like that and how he didn't get drafted, it's hard for me to think of you know other guys in this program that would. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with Xavier Castaneda, and hopefully, like we said, we all wish him the best in his future wherever that means he goes on to play. Hopefully some other basketball, whether that be internationally or otherwise. But let's break down the Mid-American Conference Tournament as a whole. Of course, it was Toledo and Kent State in the championship game. Toledo's path to the to the championship game. They beat Miami of Ohio 91-75 to in the quarterfinals, and they beat Ohio 82-75 to in the semifinals. Any surprises here from Toledo? Kind of an easy path to the championship game here. I liked how in the first round they had a six-man. EJ Farmer had 19 points, which was tied for best on the team in that matchup against Miami, and that really helped them uh, beat the Red Hawks 91-75. to Yeah, it was a great showing from Toledo, and they just showed off their well-balanced approach, mm-hmm. which they play with every single time they, they, they uh, play on the floor. Marcus, any thoughts on Toledo in the first two games before we get to the game against Kent? I mean, Toledo, they, it's pretty much like a stroll in the park for them. I mean... And besides that, Toledo has been a great team all year round. They show why they're the best team seated wise in the MAC conference. I mean, a well rounded, well balanced team, a well coached team, well disciplined team. My favorite players from this team is probably JT Shoemate. The way he was able to give Enrique Freeman work during the last time we played, they we played them at home. It's just he's a well rounded center, pretty much. He's your prototypical old-school kind of center, tough, gritty on the inside, great post moves, great in the pose and everything. And unfortunately, Kent State became the dead wall, I mean the block, the wall for Toledo Rockets, for this great Rockets team. Yeah, that they did, and you mentioned JT Shoemates, also Cedric Milner Jr., Mac Player of the Year, and Ray J. Dennis. I mean, this team was really overall well-rounded and a really good basketball team. Now let's talk about Kent State's path to the championship game. They beat Northern Illinois 76-57 to in the quarterfinals. A lot of people were critical about Kent State's performance in that game. Personally, I don't really see how a 19-point win is a bad thing, but that's just me. And then, of course, they beat Akron 79-73 to in the semifinals. What do we think about Kent State's path to the championship game? I think if they played any other team in Northern Illinois in the first round, they would have lost. 31-point first half. Now, granted, they did. They were playing really good defense in that first half. But I think if you would have played Toledo or Akron in that first round, I think Kent would have been a first-round exit. Um, it's, I like this team. I hate this team at the same time. I'm not sure. I mean, Northern Illinois, it, it was kind of like a confidence booster for them. And... Like you said, David, I agree with you. It was an iffy performance for Kansas State, even though they still came out with the win. Like I said, the little things. And this and Akron, this is quietly becoming one of the best rivalries at all of college basketball. It's quietly emerged as one of those kind of rivalries. But other than that, it's, as much as I hate to admit this, but Malik Jacobs, not only he's the defensive player of the year for the Cons, but is probably the most versatile player at all of the Mid-America Conference. I, I really respect this game. He could do it all. I can't think of a day, thing he could, he cannot do. I mean, the, the boy got game, man. He got game. Yeah, respect his game. Res- respect the player. Don't respect the ego out of Malik Jacobs. That's the one thing I just can't get behind with this Kent State team. Of course, they are our rivals. And of yeah. course, they did win. 
this year's MAC tournament by beating Toledo 93 to 78. And, you know, I think everybody at the station was a Toledo fan last night. And it ended up going Kent State's way. And it hurts listening to our intro of today's show where we have a live call in from last year to the very day, Logan Congrove calling into the station saying, your Akron Zips are your 2022 Mid-American Conference champions. They beat the Electric Chickens. Now this year, a year forward, it's Kent State beating Toledo in the MAC championship game, 93-78. to It's not an easy thing to talk about, but what do you guys think of Sincere Carey's performance and Kent State really bringing it to Toledo all game long? Yeah, uh, Kent did only have a one-point lead at the end of the first half, but down the stretch in the second half, they really just exploded in the final seven minutes of the game, and Toledo could not keep up, 93-78. Kent did lead all major statistical categories, except Toledo did only turn it over nine times, but ultimately did not matter, and Kent won the MAC tournament. Yeah, that they did. Any thoughts on Toledo versus Kent State? Marcus, obviously, uh, you were at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse covering it yeah, last night. Yeah, I, I had to sit through that mess. It, was, it, was, <laughs> it hurt me and both Logan. It hurt us so much. But was it like sitting next to Kent State media? I, it, it hurt even more. Yeah. It, just to hear them brag about it, like, yeah, Kent or the MAC champions. I mean, but. to be <laughs> fair, it was the complete opposite last year. Because I remember last year it was Alex Henry, Logan Congrove, and I at the MAC championship game. Of course, it was Akron and Kent State. And I remember celebrating when Akron won and then just looking to our right and seeing like six or so Kent State student media. And they were so sad. And they were just like, congratulations. And then they walked away and went to the presser while Alex, Logan, and I were celebrating. So it was pretty much polar opposites this year as Kent State got it done. But sorry, Marcus, continue on. What what do you think about Kent State's performance? Yeah, I mean... All the respect, I, I got to give respect where it's deserved. I mean, it was a great performance, an A-plus performance, I would say. It's just Sincere Curry and Malik Jager was probably the best things that happened, the best thing that, best two things that happened to Kent State basketball in such a long time, maybe ever. Maybe the, might end up going down as the two best players in their program's history as the two best basketball players in their program history. It's just, but I know this, next season, it's go time. It's go time. We got to be like North Carolina and Duke. This is go time right here, man. This is go time, fellas. I'm excited that Carrie is graduating from Kent. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's excited. But then they're probably excited that Cassidy yeah. is going to be gone for us. So it's going to be a testing out yeah, period for both of It's still go time. Malik is still going to be there? Yeah, yeah I, I would think oh, so. Oh, he's still going to be there? I would think so. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. go time. It's go time, fellas. Yeah, we'll see how next year turns out. Uh, of course, it was Kent State's seventh MAC championship in program history. They went on to win it in that automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. And I want to ask you guys this question, too, because Alex Henry, who was here last night with Aaron Lux covering our uh, on-air for pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage, he asked us in the in our group chat, he said, did the best team win the MAC tournament last night? Did the best team in the MAC win the tournament from an unbiased perspective. Of course, everybody up here wanted Akron to win. At the end of the day, it was Kent State. And from an unbiased perspective, you have to say that the best team won the tournament. Yeah, I think I would have to agree with that. I mean, they had a much tougher schedule at the beginning of the season. They played Houston at the beginning, played them very well. They only lost by, I believe it was five points, 44 to 49. Yep, five points. Uh, So, yeah, I think you can easily say Kent was the best team. And then also afterwards, for them to play Gonzaga, and they only beat them by just seven points, I think 76 to 68, something like that. 
I mean, that's just amazing. So the kind of team we were last year is the kind of team they are this year. Yep. So I say they absolutely deserve this one. Yep. Yeah, I hate to agree with you guys, but I do agree with you. So what are Kent State's chances in March Madness? They're likely going to get in an, a 13 seed, maybe 11 to 13 seed, somewhere in that range. But what's the ceiling for this Kent State team? Do they make it out of the first round? Do they go further than Akron did last year? I think the ceiling for them is a Sweet 16. But I think realistically what we can expect is them to maybe win a first round game. And that's about it. Uh, if they end up playing Kansas, which is most likely going to be their first round opponent, I say they gonna get swept pretty much. They gonna get be like doormats. They gonna be like moms just mop the floor with them. I mean, I know with Gonzaga Bulldogs and the Houston Cougars, but Kansas State's the Jayhawks. I mean, they're a totally different animal. This is a different beast right here. Everyone counted Akron out. Uh, they did lose last year. In the yeah, first I mean UCLA but... was beatable though. It's... Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> I think the only saving grace for Akron fans is that Kent State loses in the first round. Because we don't want Kent State to outperform what Akron did last year, right? Yeah. So we want Kent State to get blown out in the first round. And and usually with these conference games and conference opponents, usually you root on your conference in, like, you know, college bowl games, for example, and football, right? Not None of that here. None of that here. Everybody's going to be rooting against Kent State in the first round. But I agree with you guys. You know, Sweet 16 could be realistic. They're definitely a team that is going to get overlooked, hopefully not overlooked by their opponent. And if it is Kansas, hopefully Kansas doesn't overlook a team like Kent State because all it takes is one oversight, and then Kent State goes on a run with Malik Jacobs, Sincere Carey, Chris Payton, all those guys, and the game's out of hand. So... Hopefully, Kent State does not get it done in the first round, but we'll see how they do in March Madness. I know the selection show is tonight. It's going to be very exciting. One of the most exciting weeks of the year in sports is upon us with March Madness. I always enjoy it. I know our listeners always enjoy it as well. Unfortunately, this year, it does not include our very own Akron Zips, but it was a good season. We're going to head to break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears to the women's tournament the women's mac tournament we'll also talk about how the akron zips performed in the women's side of things of course it didn't go their way either we're going to be critical of their performance this season we're going to talk about the season all that and more coming up next on sports power talk What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Best Sports Talk Show. This side of Lake Erie, it is Sports Power Talk live from the University of Akron. My name is Jake Murren, the host of your show today. And today I'm joined by Dev Lucas. What's up, Jake? And Marcus Anderson. I'm going to be a Jayhawk week for for a week. Jayhawk fan for a week. (laughs) So how confirmed are you that that's going to be the matchup, Marcus? Like, are you really set in stone like that's going to be it? Yes, it's most likely. It is very possible. Fair enough. And if you're a Jayhawk fan this week, so am I, and so is Dev, and so is all of WZIP Sports, and so is probably everybody listening to this very radio station right now, Marcus. I agree with you Go Jayhawks (laughs) in the first round of March Madness against Kent State, if that is indeed the first round matchup. Of course, last segment we talked about the men's MAC tournament, talked about our men's Zips basketball team. Now we're switching gears. We're going to talk about our Zips women's basketball team and their performance and the women's MAC tournament side of things. In their game against Ball State in the quarterfinal round, the first round of the tournament, 
We lost 92-68. to We led 20-19 after the first quarter and had a run to start the third quarter. But other than that, it was all Ball State in this game. Marcus, I'll go to you first on this one. What do you think of that first-round loss and exit of the MAC tournament against Ball State? I mean, they hung in there for a moment in the first quarter. I thought they had it pretty much. It was it got tight until it's halftime. After halftime, that's when that's when they just ran away with the ball. Say it was a great t- they're a great team, and they absolutely deserve this. But the girls with their season, the Agra Zips, this has been a great season. Even though up and down, sort of like a roller coaster ride for them. And they had to deal with a lot of changes, too, a lot of new changes. Even though this new recruiting class they had this year, a lot of true freshmen on the squad, I can see the future very bright for them as well. And can't wait to see them next season. Well, I can't say I'm as optimistic for next year for this Women's Zips program as you are, Marcus. And we'll touch on that here in a little bit. But for now, Dev, I'll I'll throw it to you, your thoughts on this game against Ball State. Yeah, I like that the Zips came out and kept it close in the first um, quarter, as you were saying, Jake. But really, it's going to be tough to win when you have an 11-point swing in the second quarter, a 9-point swing in the fourth. Um, Reagan Bass had a great game, and Dominique Camp played well. Reagan Bass scored uh, 24. Dominic Camp scored 18. Uh, but after that, Zip scoring pretty much just dropped off. You didn't really have anyone doing much notable action besides Rachel Marndale with 10. Uh, Ball State did a great job spreading the ball around. They had four players in double digits. Alex Richard had 19 points for only nine minutes of play, which is crazy to me. Um, and they just cannot stop turning the ball over. 17 turnovers, and uh, Akron only shot 25% from three. And relatively good from the field, but Ball State just proved to be the better team. Yeah, great points there, Dev. And looking at this game, you know, turnovers have been a problem all year for this women's team. I feel like every single Sunday I come up here, I talk about turnovers when it comes to this women's basketball team. And first round of the tournament, sure enough, they commit 17 turnovers in the quarterfinal game against Ball State. Huge problem there. And then I feel like early on in the season when the Zips had the most success this year, Their entity was their defense. They were so good on the defensive side of the ball. They kind of let that go coming into MAC play a little bit, and then against Ball State, letting 92 points in the first round. If you told me Ball State was going to score 92 against Akron, I would be like, yeah, sure. Akron's not going to win that game, not even close. And, of course, last week's show, we predicted this entire MAC tournament, and it was Mitch Bates, and it was Lana Sal on the other side of the desk from me. Lana had Akron winning this entire tournament, Mitch had Akron going to the championship game and losing to Toledo, and I had Akron losing in the first round. I kind of had the realistic approach. I just thought that Akron didn't have much momentum heading into the MAC tournament, and Ball State was one of those elite three teams in Toledo, Bowling Green, and Ball State this year. Fortunately, the Zips could not get it done in the first round of the MAC tournament, and here is Coach Melissa Jackson on the loss to the Cardinals. Really proud of my locker room and our huddle um, and how we came out today, um, followed the game plan, executed some of our stuff very, very well offensively. Um, And then they never quit, you know, uh, down, you know, coming out of half, showed another great push and a lot of fire. Um, Really proud of of this team and what they've been able to accomplish this whole year. Um, My seniors, they mean the world to me. Uh, Love them to death. And uh, really, really proud of our group. All right. That was Melissa Jackson post game after the loss to Ball State in what was her 
last game coaching this Akron Zips women's basketball program. We're going to talk about her in a moment. But, guys, just season takeaways from this season for the Lady Zips. Yeah, I'm really disappointed. They started 12-2. and They were 4-1 and in MAC play. And down the stretch, they went on to lose 11 of their next 17 games, counting this first-round game against Ball State. Um and if you told me that they would lose in the first round back in January, I would have told you that you were wrong. I thought this team for sure was going to qualify for definitely at least a spot in the semifinals, if not being in the finals, potentially beating Toledo. Um, but honestly, this season really ended in that at the end of the third quarter against Bowling Green on January 14th, when the Zips went to give up 31 points in the fourth quarter, and that's when the season just flipped and... Uh, after that, it really seemed like this team was just not not the same as they were uh, prior to that, and I'm just upset because it seemed like after that, this team just showed flashes, and they were never the team they were before that. Yeah, it certainly seems like that was the turning point for the Zips this year, was that fourth quarter against Bowling Green. I just think we need to learn from the success we had in the beginning of the season where this team was setting program records and try to build on what went right going into next year, even though this team is going to change so much. We're losing Molly Neitzel, Lane Farrell, Dominique Camp, and Rachel Martindale, and of course losing our head coach, Melissa Jackson, as well. It was great to see Reagan Bass's leap to stardom <clears throat> this year. She played phenomenal, could very well likely be the MAC player of the year next season, next season as well. I think Reagan Bass's ceiling is very, very high, but there's going to be a lot of transitions this offseason for this women's Zips program. Let's talk about the future without Melissa Jackson. And we talked about her a couple weeks ago, and it was first announced that she's not going to return for a sixth season with Akron. She has further denied accusations from a former player, but it seems like there's more to the story that we're not aware of up here at WZIP. Ball State, their women's head coach, came out unprompted and said that it was a shame that she won't coach Akron next year and that the program doesn't know how good they have it with Coach Jackson. There's a lot to talk about as it relates to Coach Jackson, but what do you guys think of this program moving forward, this offseason losing four of our starters and obviously losing our head coach as well? Well, going to -to back-to-back MAC tourneys and not uh, uh, having your head coach come back is going to be, I don't know, um, if they don't make the MAC tournament next year, it's going to be tough. That's all i got to say. And I guess I wouldn't really be surprised either. Yeah. That's a, that's the a hard part of it. Marks, what do you think? Uh, I think the only thing they got to rely on from here on out is their, is their high recruiting class. I mean, they had a lot of freshmen come in. They got that to rely on, talented freshmen like Faith Stinson and Anna and and Leah. You got Yeah, it's a high recruiting class pretty much. That's the only thing they got to rely on. And this is going to be tough for them searching for a new head coach. And... Um, it's an unsure future, pretty much. It's a bleak future. Yeah. It really is. And sticking with Melissa Jackson here for a moment, here are seniors Molly Neitzel and Rachel Martindale <laughs> after the loss to Ball State on what Melissa Jackson meant to them in their four years with Akron. Coach Jackson means the absolute world to me. Like, the absolute world. She is, like, my, like a friend, a coach, um, someone I can go to whenever like I need something. And I, I'm so thankful for her. I'm so thankful for having her all four years here. Um, she is just an unbelievable person. And I'm, I, I'm so thankful I was able to play under her. Definitely going to call her up even after this and, you know, see her kids and her, her, she's due soon. So see the new little baby, but, um, 
no, she means she means the absolute world to me. And I'm I'm so thankful for the opportunity that she she's given me over my four years. And um, yeah, I'm just I'm blessed that I was able to play under her. Play under her. Words really don't describe the last four years. It's been fun. It's been a ride. Um, she. Like, you talk about how good she is as a coach, how smart she is. Her X's and O's, a player she's draw that. But, like, after these four years are over, like, nobody remembers that. Everyone remembers what a good person she was and how she was constantly there for us whenever she, we needed it. And it and never doubted us. And she was always on our side. She'd always fight for us. And that's what I look back on. That's what I'm going to look back on and remember that. Like like Molly said, like, we can call her anytime. And we've done it. We've used it. And she answers. So she's there for us. And we know that. And I'm just lucky for the last four years. So not only do you have those emotional words post-game after the loss to Ball State from seniors Molly Neitzel and Rachel Martindale about losing head coach Melissa Jackson this year, but also Lane Farrell yesterday on Twitter announced that she is entering the transfer portal. She is a senior but has one year left of eligibility. She said, quote, due to the recent news of a coaching change, I have decided that it is best for myself to explore other options. She enters the transfer portal with actually two years left of eligibility. So a lot of news here around Melissa Jackson. It sounds like she really was a great person, a great coach, a great leader. And Akron is going away without her. I, I don't understand it behind the desk. What are your guys' thoughts on this decision? I understand it because of how the season played out, but I don't think they should have let her go just because you started 12-2 and two and then you fall off because you went to back-to-back MAC tur- tournaments. I mean, what happens next year if you don't, if you don't qualify? You're going to be like, <clears throat> we should have brought her back. We would have been probably the fifth seed somewhere in that neighborhood, and I don't know. That's just how I feel. I knew Melissa Jackson first coming in had big shoes to fill, like coming into the role. I mean, the coach prior to her was like is still the all-time leader in winning and wins for the program. But she filled it very well. I mean, like you said, uh, back-to-back MAC tournaments, and I get it with the AD thing about we need to do better. We we want to do better. This is good, but we want to do great. And but the way he did it, from what I read, is like. They, she didn't even know about this. Like he just made the decision behind her back, saying that yeah, we're not gonna resign her. We're not gonna resign Coach Jackson for another year. We're not gonna extend the contract. It's the way he did. I appreciate that, but we're not gonna go in, into more about that. But Melissa Jackson, sir, Melissa Jackson, over her time here, did a very great job keeping the girls together and the kind of bond. Just off the court as well, the kind of bond she was able to build with those girls off the court, going to the road trips in the summer, going to Chicago, and going to, like, saunas together pretty much. And it was just great, the kind of bond, the kind of team she managed with this squad right here. I just think if there wasn't a lot of faith there, why not sign her to a one-year contract? I mean, the worst thing that happens is you don't make the MAC tournament, then you know for sure. You qualified this year, kind of fell off towards the end of the season, but... If you sign her for another year, I mean, I just feel like if you sign her for another year, you could have maybe, she could be playing for another contract, and you could be talking about more MAC tournaments under Jackson. Yeah, and the way he was playing like months ago, we even saw about this team becoming a top 25 team. Like, they was maybe going to get in the top 25 eventually if they beat Bowling Green and built more momentum in the season. But the, the change, like I said, the changes, the adjustments they had to deal with, and... Way to go for Melissa Jackson. Keeping the team together is just, yeah, it's just, it's sad to see her go. 
Yeah, it really is. And I think that's a great point that you mentioned, Dev. Just keep her on for another year. Make it like a prove-it year type yeah. of thing there. And, Marcus, you mentioned that emotional connection to the players, and we heard it right there firsthand from Rachel Martindale and Molly Neitzel. Sounds like Molly Neitzel has a close connection with the kids of Melissa yeah, Jackson. Yeah. And, of course, Melissa Jackson due soon for another baby. Like, it just sounds like the bond she had with the players and – I guess no longer the organization is really sad to learn about, and it, there certainly is more to the story, and we can speculate all we want, and it sounds like maybe Melissa Jackson will spill the news when her contract officially expires in the summertime. I just wish this was dealt more properly, I guess, yeah, just better overall, and it is sad to see Melissa Jackson's departure from this team, and I guess all we really want is we just don't want to see the Zips fall and become a team like Ohio or Central Michigan this year in the women's max standings. We don't want to see that moving forward for this team. And, Mark, it's, just, it's at least good to hear your optimism, right, in terms of right. the recruiting class and potentially some transfers. And who knows who's going to fill the the shoes of Melissa Jackson going into next year. So a lot of answers to – or a lot of questions to be answered this offseason – for this Women's Zips program and hopefully some good answers to many, many questions that we all have moving forward. And it's going to be very, very odd looking next year when it's Reagan Bass and a bunch of newbies. It's going to be very weird. We'll see how they perform next year in not only Mac play, which they struggled in this year, but of course those first couple games of next season as well. Let's break down this women's Mac tournament, though, of course, being played in Cleveland. We covered it here at WZIP as well. We we pride ourselves not only covering the Akron Zits, but the Mid-American Conference as a whole. Of course, it was Toledo and Bowling Green in the championship game. Toledo beat Buffalo 75-74 to in the quarterfinals. A very scary game there for the Rockets. Then they beat Kent State 68-58 to in the semifinals for Bowling Green. They beat Eastern Michigan 70-36 to in the quarterfinals. Then beat Ball State 70-61 to in the semis to make it Toledo, Bowling Green in the championship game. Before we break down that game, any thoughts on both of these teams' path to the championship game? Yeah, I initially thought that Toledo were frauds. I mean, they barely beat the number 8 seed Buffalo. It came down to a Jada Jensen free throw in overtime during the closing seconds to hold off Buffalo. And uh, Buffalo actually outshot the Rockets from three. They shot 47% from three, which helped Buffalo keep it close. But, yeah, that's my thought on that. And the Kent game, I was a little surprised. I thought it was going to be Kent was going to win after how Toledo played against Buffalo. Yeah, this women's... Kent State team, I had them as my sleepers going into this tournament. I thought they were going to convincingly win in the first round, and then they did. And I thought this game against Toledo was going to be a little bit more competitive than it was, but it certainly was an entertaining matchup there in the semis. And then for Bowling Green, that Ball State game, I think that game was probably the most entertaining game of the tournament. I mean, of course, an argument can be made about Toledo-Buffalo going into overtime and only having a one-point game from the one seed and the eight seed there. But I really enjoyed that Bowling Green and Ball State game. It was just back and forth the entire way through. It was Bowling Green advancing, but advancing just to get pummeled by Toledo in the championship game. They lost 73-58. to Toledo jumped to a 12-0 lead and never trailed in the game. What do you guys think of Toledo being crowned the women's MAC <clears throat> champions? Uh, very shocking, I would say. I mean... I thought Bowling Green would be the clear winners of the whole conference this year. I mean, seeing them for the first time against us, against our team, I thought they clearly showed everybody. It was like a 
statement that game saying that we're going to take this conference, we're going to be number one, we really are the best team in the MAC conference. And for them to see see them get steamrolled by the Toledo Rockets, I was very surprised. I think I didn't think Toledo deserved this at all, but they showed everyone. Uh, well, think again. Yeah, I predicted Toledo to win the Women's MAC Tournament. That's what they did. This is Toledo's first appearance in March Madness since 2017 and just their ninth in program history. Dev, Bowling Green, Toledo, what do you think? Yeah, I thought it was crazy when it was 25-12 to 12, 12 at the end of the first quarter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess Toledo turned out they weren't frauds and they turned out they deserved to be number one and beat the Bowling Green. But, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see if Toledo can get it done. And, you know, Toledo's one of those teams where you kind of do root for the conference. You do root for Toledo to have some success in the March Madness tournament. We'll see what their first-round matchup looks like. Maybe it's Kansas. I don't know how their women's program is, but maybe we can root for Kansas and the men's and then root against them and the women's. We'll see how it all plays out. Any shocking moments here in this tournament? Of course, you had the scare that Toledo faced in the first round. But anything else kind of stand out to you guys as it relates to this Women's Mid-American Conference Tournament? Well, Akron was just as disappointing as I expected, so I'm not really shocked with that. But what I am surprised is that the majority of the teams that ended up winning lost the turnover battle in these games. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Anything surprise you, Marcus, about this this MAC tournament for the women? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, th- I really thought, like I said before, Bowling Green was the clear winners of this whole thing. And just to see him not come out with this and Toledo instead. And like Toledo, a, a near scare against Buffalo. And it's just a 12 and 16 team, 8 seed, last seed of the conference. And just, just to see Toledo barely come away with that and not see Bowling Green win this whole thing, that, that was surprising to me. Yep. All right, yeah, I mean... I thought Toledo was going to get it done. There's not much that surprised me here. I mean, of course, that first-round matchup was a little scary there. And mm-hmm. I'm on. I'm honestly just surprised that Toledo just had their way with BG in the championship game. I really expected that to be a game down to the wire, dictated by the last couple possessions, maybe the final possession, and, of course, that final score of 73-58, to 58, just never really close there between Toledo and Bowling Green. And before we cut to break, just something I want to mention, and I kind of mentioned it at the top of the show, about how, yeah, we are kind of doom and gloom because the men and the women's Zips teams did not perform very well in the MAC tournament. But something I am very proud of, and it might not relate to you listening, but I'm just really, really proud of what this radio station was able to pull off these past three days as it relates to MAC tournament coverage, of course, on Thursday. It was Pat and I up at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It was Dev and Alex here in studio giving you pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage. On Friday, it was Alex and Aaron going up to the MAC tournament at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Then it was Logan Congrove and Mitch Bates in studio giving you pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage. And then yesterday on Saturday, Akron not even in the championship game. And we still got Marcus Anderson, Logan Congrove up in Cleveland at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. And then in studio here, it was Alex Henry and Aaron Lux giving you pregame, halftime, and postgame coverage. To me, I've never seen anything like it up here with my time at WZIP Sports. Marcus, of course, you've been here a little bit longer than I have. Giving you that much coverage, not only on our Twitter page live from the event, but also three nights in a row doing special programming, special shows here at WZIP. 
I mean, it, has there been anything like it, Marcus? Not really. Not at all. Not really. And just being able to kind of give these opportunities to other people. I know, Dev, you sat in this chair Thursday night, and you shocked me. You did a very, very good job Thursday night hosting the pregame, halftime, and postgame show for the Akron-Buffalo game. And it just made me feel very proud of my team up here at WZIP Sports. I think, of course, it didn't go Akron's way. We all feel a certain type of way about that. But at the end of the day, as the sports director at WZIP, and as every single person in WZIP Sports as well, I think there's a lot to be proud of moving forward and what we did and covering it for you on on Twitter, on these airways. We were hitting every single mark that we could, and it was really special to hear everything happen. Of course, live calls taken from this radio station as well up in Cleveland. I mean, new experiences for a lot of people, dev hosting for the first time, uh, new people going up and covering games live in person as well. It was just a blessing to see these different opportunities be handed out, and I'm very happy that we were able to pull it off. And, of course, you know, there's some fatigue after doing all this coverage for the MAC tournament, but, again, I'm just very happy uh, in really just seeing how this all came to fruition for coverage of the MAC tournament. I know there were some behind-the-scenes struggles and issues, lack of motivation, especially when Akron came out of it, but at the end of the day, we did a very, very good job, in my opinion, covering the MAC tournament. Uh, any thoughts? On, I mean, I'll throw it to you, Dev. I mean, you hosted the show on Thursday. I, I'm super proud of you and what you did and what we did as a team here at WZIP. Well, thank you, Jake. Yeah, uh, it was a good experience hosting, and I liked uh, I liked doing I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe you'll be back here on the Sports Power Talk yeah. <laughs> one day hosting uh, SBT on a Sunday morning as well. That's my little rant I had to go on on today's show because, of course, Akron didn't play well. It hurts to say that, but, of course, I think WZIP Sports did a great job covering it for all of you who are interested in the MAC tournament because if you're listening to this show right now, we're an hour in. We talked about the men's MAC tournament. We talked about the women's MAC tournament. So if you're interested in it, you're still listening. <laughs> I hope you uh, also enjoyed our coverage of the MAC tournament these past three days. I sure am happy with how it turned out. We're going to head to break, though. When we come back, it's, it'll be the second hour of the show. We have a lot to talk about as it relates to the NFL, also the NBA. But up next, though, we will talk about NBA headlines, the Kia MVP ladder. We'll give our own MVP ladders, and we'll also talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers as well. A lot more coming in the second hour of today's show, so don't go anywhere. This is Sports Power Talk. Welcome to the second hour of today's Sports Power Talk. Of course, the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. And hopefully, you are tuning in to the second hour of Sports Power Talk. Not the first hour. Of course, Daylight Savings Time. Hopefully, you are tuning in uh, not just now, but of course, at 11 a.m. this morning for the first hour, of course. And if you missed it, SBT Rewind, wherever you get your podcast, go ahead and check that out after today's show. And you can tune back into the first hour if you missed a lot about the men's and women's MAC tournament. But my name is Jake Murn, the host of your show today, and I'm joined by Dev Lucas. Akron may have lost with the men's and women's, but we still love our Zips. Yeah, that mm. we do. We still love our Zips. We are still we still have a lot of pride for Akron Zips. Well put, Dev. And I'm also joined by Marcus Anderson. Yeah, what's up? So I was at one of the parties yesterday. I saw oh, one of the basketball players. I'm not going to say one of their names, but they was really going through it, man. I, I saw they almost finished a whole bottle of Bacardi. I'm not going to say any names. I'm not going to say any names, but it, it was almost raised. It was like a quarter left of it in the bottle. They was really going through it, man. I was going to go through it as well, but no, nah, I don't drink. So 
<laughs> I was still going through it. I was still going through it. Stages okay. of I was showing their pain, man. I was showing their pain. Interesting. It's, uh, did not expect that story to come Re- Realize I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> I don't want to get anybody in that's, trouble that's now. That's good. That's good. <laughs> it's, it's the stages of grief is what it is. I mean, hopefully they were just having a good time. Hopefully yeah. they weren't too much in grief. I mean, I hate to hear that if that's the case. But, I mean, shout out to the women's basketball team. Of course, they tried their hardest, just didn't work out for them. And we mentioned it. There's just a lot of question marks surrounding that team right now. But let's move on from the MAC tournament coverage because, of course, everybody wants to hear us talk about some other sports as well. We're going to stick with basketball, but we're going to head to the NBA and our very own Cleveland Cavaliers here in a matter of moments. Let's start with the NBA just in general and the headlines surrounding the sport in the league right now. Let's talk about Kevin Durant. We kind of talked about him last week as well and what he meant to the Suns team moving forward. And, of course, now KD, he was injured. He's expected to miss two to three weeks because of a left ankle injury. He sustained the injury in warm-ups ahead of a game last Wednesday. The Suns were 3-0 with KD. He shot 69% from the field in those wins, which was the highest field goal percentage in a player's first three games with a team in NBA history. And now he's out for two to three weeks. What do we think about the Suns' chances moving on in the West without KD? I think it's going to hurt their chances to take a top three spot. But if he is back by the first round, they did say that he will be reevaluated in three weeks. I think they still have a pretty good chance to win that game. I don't think they're going to fall off to maybe have a play-in situation. I think they're still going to make the playoffs. I mean, how many more times this going to happen? Even KD does come back, even though they say it's only going to be two to three weeks where before it was most likely going to be a season-ending injury, another season-ending injury. But even if he does come back, is it still going to be the same KD? Because KD is not getting any older. He's like 34 pushing on 35, right? But it's just either way, the Suns' chances of positively making a fart a far run, far distance in the playoffs is like kind of unlikely because it's like a loaded competition. Like this year, it's like this could be anybody's year. This could be anybody's year. Yeah, it's surprising to see teams like the Kings really high in the Western Conference standings right now. The Nuggets are number one. They're kind of running away with it. Is that your favorite to win the West right now, Marcus? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets, they are a team to be reckoned with right now. And We'll give our Kia MVP ladder. I'm sure Nikola Jokic will be on all of our ladders so far right now. Uh, But, yeah, with the Suns, they're currently fourth in the Western Conference. They're eight and a half games out of first place, two and a half games out of second place. But for me, the biggest thing with this, with KD's injury, is they're losing that important time for this new-look Suns team to build chemistry before the playoffs. It's not like there were any missteps when KD first joined the team. I mentioned his field goal percentage in those wins. Of course, they were undefeated with KD on the floor. I'm not saying, like, they're going to be terrible when he comes back. They're going to be completely off sync. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying it's really important for these last couple weeks of the season to build some chemistry going in to the Western Conference playoffs. And in your opinion, Marcus, a loaded Western Conference playoffs this, this year they're losing a lot of valuable time, right? Yeah. That's my takeaway from this. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if, you know, he's going to be reevaluated in 2 to 3 weeks, Dev. I don't know if that's going to be enough time for him to really synchronize with this Suns team, but if any team is going to do it, I guess it would be the Suns with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. We'll keep an eye on that the rest of the regular season and see when KD is expected to return and of course how that will impact the Suns down the line. Another headline I wanted to touch on, we didn't touch on it last week because it was still kind of a new headline and we do approach these things kind of, 
you know, in a certain way up here at WZIP, and it's John Morant and his future with the NBA, his future in the league. Of course, if you didn't know his circumstance, he did flash uh, a gun at a club after a Grizzlies game on March 3rd where he was dismissed from the team for at least six games. The organization and coaches had a conversation with Morant before the incident happened. They also came out uh, that he was investigated last fall for getting into a fight at his sister's high school volleyball game. Just a lot of drama going on in John Morant's life. And this is a player last year who won the Most Improved Player of the Year award and was on our TVs every single day for a poster that he had in the game. And now it's just the complete opposite here for John Morant. Marcus, I'll, I'll give it to you first. What do you think about what's going on in his life lately? I mean, I don't know why he's doing this. I mean, he's kind of getting too old for this. You should realize because I don't know why he's doing this. I, and latest update is I saw that there's no charges after investigations put on them for the gun. But it's just... Anyway, it's, <clears throat> anyways, it's like you're a father, you're a family man. You're still, she's still with the, he's still with the woman that he had that baby with. You're a family man. I mean, you're too old for this, and you shouldn't be doing on this. I mean, the main thing is, I'm thinking about. There's no wonder what his daughter and his baby baby mother is thinking about all this right now. It's just like. You have everything in the world that most men in the world can only wish or dream about having. I mean, you're in the NBA. You're one of its biggest superstars. You're the face of the Memphis Grizzlies franchise. And look how bad it'll, it'll look on them. Everybody's already getting mixed emotions and mixed feelings about the Memphis Grizzlies right now with the other players they have. And also, you got all these commercial deals. You have a big house. You have all this money come in, a max contract deal. I mean, you got... Too much to lose. You have too much to lose here. A family, a mass contract, and a great life in the pros. I mean, you're just too old. You have too much to lose, like I said. Yeah, that's well said, Marcus. And I feel like a lot of NBA stars and legends are echoing that sentiment and giving that type of advice to John Moran at this moment in his life. And there is just a lot for him to lose right now. And he has so much already. So you hate to see it, especially with a younger player and a young star in the NBA. And Another thing, too, I just feel like John Morant was a guy before all this stuff, especially last year, that many people could look up, look up to in a way. Of course, he was the most improved player. And just his style of play attracted so many new viewers and so many new fans. And now this is just a really bad look for him, his brand, and the league in general. Dev, any further thoughts on this John Morant situation? Yeah, I think it's just a real shame. He's a great player. He's got to stay out of trouble. Yeah. No. I mean, I remember they. I remember the league went through the same exact thing with Allen Iverson, but it's just like, dude, John Moran. I thought he was different. I mean, coming from a suburban neighborhood, going going to private school, it's just like, I thought he just looked. I don't want to say the word thug, but I thought he just looked like a hoodlum. But I didn't think he really was a hoodlum. But doing all these things, I have, I have mixed thoughts about him now. Yeah, and it's hard not to have mixed thoughts about him now, and we'll see how long. He stays away from the team. He's required to stay away from the team right now, and hopefully he does make his return to the NBA, makes the corrections in his life aside from the game of basketball, and returns to that status of being a role model and appreciating what he has and everything that you excuse me, that you mentioned as well, Marcus. I, I've teased it all show long, and we'll leave that John Morant storyline there. Let's move on. Let's talk about the Kia MVP ladder. Right now, NBA.com, they have Nikola Jokic, number one, Joel Embiid, number two, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, number three. 
I asked for your guys' top three right now. Let's start with three. Let's move our way up to one. Marcus, you're giving me a little confused yeah. look right now. What's up? All right, three. Three is Nikola Jokic. Wow, you have him that three. low. Yeah, that low because I don't, I don't understand why you didn't say – I hear Jason Tatum's name in there anyway. That was the thing I was surprised about. Well, right now, NBA.com, it's Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, Jason Tatum is number four. Yeah, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. That's too much disrespect. More people need put more respect on Jason Tatum's name. He's that dude. He's the main reason why the Celtics are where they at right now. He's he's like the main reason. And also Joel Embiid, I agree with him being number two. But Jokic, there's no better center this year, no better big man this year than Joel Embiid. I mean, he's the scoring leader right now. He's He's leading the NBA in points per game. He's leading the NBA in points all together. He's like one of the top five rebounders in the game statistically. And it's just like, it's outrageous. They give too much, they they give Jokic too much credit. I know he's a great player. He might be one of the all-time greats, but he's not, he hasn't been better than Embiid this season. Well, let me ask you this, Marcus, because it's an interesting debate, and I was kind of expecting this conversation to really spark up in flames here because I know how passionately you feel about Jason Tatum, and you're, you've are you been on these airwaves calling him Baby Kobe in the past. That's oh, well documented as well. Oh, he's definitely Baby Kobe. Right, <laughs> still calling him Baby Kobe. My thing is, Jokic is, has won back-to-back MVPs, and the NBA MVP ladder right now, top three are all big men. I feel like it's really hard to get past the fact that these big men are now averaging 25, 30 points per game at the same time averaging a double-double as well. I feel like that's really where you know people get these star eyes and they look at these big men and see, my goodness, they are averaging a double-double and putting almost the same amount of points as a Jason Tatum is per game. I feel like that's where we're really going in the NBA right now. And that's why Jason Tatum is so far down the list because he's not averaging a double-double, but he is averaging over 30 points per game this year, I believe. So what do you think, Marcus, about that? And I guess, like, is there that trend in the NBA going on right now where the MVP just might become a big man's trophy to win? Oh, it's always been like that since the beginning of time, since the beginning when this whole league got invented. But it's just like... They just misunderstand the definition of most valuable player. Like you think about this, what what kind of team the Celtics would be without Jason Tatum? And I get it with the Sixers. What kind of team would, they would be without Joel Embiid? They'll be useless. And the kind of team the Nuggets would be without Jokic, and the kind of team the Bucks would be without Giannis. You can, you think about that mainly. What kind of teams they would be without their star players? And I think the kind of Celtics going through the season with two different head coaches, I think the Celtics without Jason Tatum is just a good team and not a great team like they are right now because of Jason Tatum. But can you make the point, too, like Jalen Brown is the best second man that any of these MVP candidates have? Oh, yeah, but they still be just a good team. They'll still be just a contender and not a championship contender, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, yeah. I get I get your point. I would still kind of make the argument that taking probably Giannis off the Bucks would have the biggest effect, even though they have Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton there. Maybe Jokic taking him off the Nuggets would have a big effect, but I do think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, like Jalen Brown is the best second person on any of these MVP teams. So I get your point, but we'll 
We'll leave that there, Dev. I kind of want to go to you and ask you the same question as it relates to these big men just winning these MVPs and if Jason Tatum is being an afterthought because he isn't a center. Well, I initially have Jason Tatum as my number two, so but <laughs> All right. so you're giving him more respect than the MVP ladder is right now on NBA.com, and that's fine and all, all well and good. So, Marcus, your top three, I believe it's what Tatum, Tatum Embiid, Jokic, Tatum, Embiid, Jokic. Actually, I'll put Embiid at number one. Okay, Embiid at number one. So you just want more respect towards Tatum's name, but you still think it belongs to a big man in Joel Embiid? Oh uh, yes, it, it because. He, He's all time. He's leading the NBA in points. He's all time leader in points per game and total points. I mean, the last time a center led the league, and I can't recall the last time. It's been so long since a center led the league in in points scored. And I think last year, I think Embiid did it. Oh, you did? I well, think he did it last year because I was all up in arms on these airwaves saying, "Hey." And Beach should oh, yeah. have won MVP last yeah, year. Yeah, I think he should. And have. it was Jeff Longville probably, and I up here bickering about it because Jeff Longville, yeah, he thought a, that it should have been Nikola Jokic. Yeah, exactly what I'm talking about. And I think if you take MB off the Sixers, the Sixers team without Joel MB would be the biggest effect because I think the Sixers are most vulnerable without their biggest superstar among all these MVP candidates that we we're talking about. Yeah, I mean that's not a a bad point there and. I really thought Embiid should have won it last year. We'll see if he wins it this year. And how does voter fatigue play into this as well? Because Jokic, he has won back-to-back MVPs. Is there some voter fatigue here? Like, do we just award him a third MVP for averaging a triple-double this year, which so far he has? I think you have to Mm. go based on the stats. Just who's the best player? Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Like, voter fatigue certainly is a real thing. And I think we were talking about it last year when Jokic had just won one MVP. Yeah. Now he's won back-to-back MVPs. And we'll see if he gets it for the third time. Dev, what's your three men look like your ladder for the key MVP? All right, my number three is Giannis. I have Tatum at two and Embiid at one. All right, well, we all agree. I have Embiid at one as well. He's averaging 33.3 points per game. Double-double as well, 10.1 rebounds per game. I have Jokic at number two, and I think it's really, really close. I think you can make an argument for Jokic at number one. He is averaging a triple-double this year as a big man. He is insane on the floor. They're, the Nuggets are 24-1 and this season when Jokic records a triple-double. He recorded the longest triple-double winning streak in NBA history, and the Nuggets are running away with the Western Conference right now. I certainly think you could make an, an argument for Jokic to be number one, and I wouldn't be surprised if he won the MVP this year. This year, I'm not as up in arms this year as I was last year when it comes to the Jokic and MB debate, just because I think Jokic is having the best year of his career. I would say that, and why the Nuggets are top of the West right now. Right, and he's ha- if, it's hard to say because if the back-to-back reigning MVP is now having the best year of his career... Does he deserve yeah. that third straight? Like, it, yeah. it's really hard to argue. Man. His team is arguably the best team record-wise in the NBA, for real. Yeah, they really are, and they're running away with the West. And sure, you could argue that the Suns and potentially the Mavs as well will challenge them in the West come playoffs, but right now they're playing very, very well. Jokic, he's a triple-double machine. It's really hard to argue that he doesn't deserve that third MVP in a row, though. And then my number three is Giannis. 
31.2 points per game, 11.9 rebounds per game. He has missed a few games this year with injury, and right now he's been out lately with a non-COVID-related sickness. So that's my ladder. I have Embiid, Jokic, Giannis. Unfortunately, I do have Tatum number four, Marcus. I respect that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I didn't know if I was going to be able to earn that respect when we're talking about these key MVPs. And we'll see how it plays out, man. I'm really excited to monitor this the rest of the year and see if Jokic really does deserve that third straight MVP because, of course, he is having one of the better years of his career right now, if not the best year of his career. We move on, though. We leave that there. Of course, we'll talk about that throughout the regular season here uh, on Sports Power Talk. But let's talk about our Cleveland Cavaliers and I want to start with their game last Monday. And usually when we do our Cavs Week in Review, we usually start in the middle of the week, maybe later in the week. But we're going all the way back to last Monday here to talk about their win against the Boston Celtics, 118-114 to in overtime. And we don't have to really harp on, you know, the Mitchell 40 points in this game, the Mobley 25 <laughs> points and the 17 rebounds in this game. The biggest thing I want to talk about is Grant Williams. <laughs> Grant Williams, if you didn't know, if you live under a rock and you did not see this game, Grant Williams missed two free throws after telling Donovan Mitchell <laughs> that he would make both when it was 109-109 with 1.1 seconds left. Completely iced him at the line. He missed both free throws. It goes into overtime. Cavs get it done by four in OT against the Celtics. I mean, what a scene it was at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse Marcus. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was an absolute scene. I mean, the Cavs showing everybody. I mean, this is probably like the third time they beat the Celtics this year and showing why they could be one of those teams contending for a title run, not only in the Eastern Conference, but maybe the NBA Finals, maybe. They just showing that they got what it takes to contend with the best teams in the NBA and just a hard-fought battle between these two. I thought it was kind of funny that Grant Williams could talk all that trash, but he couldn't hit the two freebies at the end of regulation. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. And it's, and it's, I would hate to be him seeing the Cavs rally in overtime to beat Boston. Yeah. He has to have the worst life in the world yeah, after that. He really does. And it's just a regular season game. But even I, sitting at home and being the non-athletic person that I am, I was like, I could make one of those free right. <laughs> Knowing for sure, no chance I'm making either one of them. But Grant Williams, an NBA player... On the Boston Celtics, can't make a free throw with a second left in a tie game. The worst of all, you just iced yourself saying, I'm going to make these two. It's yeah. over for you. And then- <laughs> Donovan Mitchell lives rent-free in Grant Williams' head right now for the Boston Celtics. I just love seeing that scene there at the end of the game. And we had to bring it up here on Sports Power Talk as well. And Marcus, you mentioned it, it was the third win over the Celtics this year for the Cavs. All three wins coming in overtime. So it's a special competition here this year between the Cavs and the Celtics. And before we move on, is there any concern from you guys that the Cavs beat the Celtics at home in overtime in the fashion that they did when Boston was without Jason Tatum and Al Horford for that game? I think a little bit, but I I don't know. I mean, this was a team that was used to be the number one defense in the league. I'm not sure if it still is, but it didn't look like it last night, especially with your their one of their two stars being out the lineup. It's just I thought there should have been an advantage taken right from the start, I think, but I guess the Celtics are showing everybody that they're better than what everybody think they really are. Uh, but the Cavs, I think they just Got some issues to fill, pretty much. A the issues to adjust. Yeah, now they do. And you said it, Dev. A win's a win. And 
When it comes to the Celtics, when a well-coached team comes to town, they're always a threat. Oh, yeah. Regardless if their star player is out or not. And that's what happened with Boston. They came to town, and they're well-coached, a, a good yeah. team, of course, first in the Eastern Conference right yeah. now, right? And this is a team that's still with a second different head coach this season. Yeah. I mean, this season. And they're still playing very well night in and night out on the floor. Of course, they're giving up many leads this year, but uh, they they showed what they got in Cleveland last Monday. Now it's time to move on and talk about two games against the... The eventual 2022 NBA champion, uh, Miami Heat. Of course, they're not <laughs> going to be the eventual 2022 NBA champions in the Miami Heat. I always love playing those clips, man. I love these three <laughs> clips here. Just absolutely roasting Logan Congrove whenever I get the opportunity to <laughs> as it relates to the Miami Heat. And I was really hoping we were, able, we were going to be able to sweep the series against Miami or these two games on the road here. Unfortunately, we won the first one, lost the second one. What do you guys think about I guess both of these games combined – out in uh, South Beach. I think first off, we kind of have an idea of what the Cavs are going to look like in the playoffs. And I know that sounds bad because Miami's at number, se- number seven right now. But uh, I think the Cavs are just going to be a team that always that always hangs around in the playoffs and might be tough for other teams. Uh, the first game, I thought it was really close and very back and forth. But I liked what I saw out of the Cavs and how they were able to hold off the heat rally in the final minutes. Uh, the second game, I don't like the whole teams fouling to prevent a three-pointer at the end of the game. I just think that's terrible, and I I don't know how you, you could possibly adjust that. Like, I don't think there could ever be a rule that can be made to potentially stop that, but I, I, don't, I, I don't like it. I think it ruins the game, personally. Yeah, I mean, it's strategy. We see it in college basketball a lot, and there's not really a good way to avoid it either, Dev. Marcus, any thoughts on these games against the Heat? I mean, Jimmy Butler, I mean, two games to bind, uh, 61 points. I mean, he's the reason why the Heat are still in this. And by the way, Logan, this is for you. I'm wearing my Shaquille O'Neal throwback Heat jersey. It's all for you, Logan. Heat culture. But, yeah, I'm not a Heat fan, though. But it's just like these these two games show, like, how exciting that this might be the best playoffs we're going to see in a long time. This might end up being like – the 2011 playoffs is just going to be that tense of a playoffs. Where I can't wait for the playoffs to come around. This is really anybody's year. And just to see these two, see anybody in the playoffs, especially these two, or maybe the Cavs or the Celtics, the Cavs or the Heat, either way, or maybe the Cavs and the Knicks, that might be the... That might be the one we see in the first round. I'm all tuned in for that. This is anybody's year. I mean, this year's playoffs going to be dope. It's going to be legit. It's going to be a It's going to be lit for real. <laughs> like I said, it might be like the 2011 playoffs for real. 2010-2011 playoffs. It's going to be a lot of Game 6s and Game 7s, I yeah, think. Yeah, definitely. Hey, fair enough. I mean... I'm not as big a basketball guy as you, Marcus, but you getting excited about NBA playoffs are getting me excited about NBA playoffs as well. And I guess it was kind of like a mini playoff series here in Miami, those two games back-to-back on the road. And now will the Cavs face back-to-back road games against the Charlotte Hornets. But with these these Heat games, I guess in the first game, Bam Adebayo only held a one rebound in that game. I thought that was huge. The Heat committed 24 turnovers in that game. I thought that was huge as well. And then Donovan Mitchell passed J.R. Smith for most three-pointers made in a season in Cavs history. So congratulations to Donovan Mitchell on that feat. Donovan Mitchell scored 42 points in the following night against the Heat. And their second game, unfortunately, did fall in that game, 119-115. to So the Heat and Cavs split the season series 2-2. So there's no bragging rights either way. Mm-hmm. 
between the heat culture enthusiast Logan Congrove and really everybody else at WZIP Sports <laughs> that says I heat mean, culture isn't real. I mean, I still will watch out. I mean, the Miami Heat are just like any animal in the wild, like a tiger or bear, like... They're already vicious, but when they're, like, injured or wounded, they're a lot more vicious and not some something to mess with or maybe, like, a dog or rabies or something. Like, they're, the Miami Heat are just, like, that kind of team, that kind of animal. You don't want to mess with either way. All right. Well, fair enough. I don't think they have that much grit, but we'll see <laughs> how it turns out in, in the playoffs. And maybe the, the Heat turn, down to be, or turn out to be a play-in team as well. We'll see what happens there. Let's look at the upcoming week for the Cavs. They are now 42 and 27 in the on the year, fourth in the Eastern Conference. They play the Hornets today, the Hornets on Tuesday, both those game being games being played in Charlotte. Then they play the 76ers on Wednesday and the Wizards on Friday. Both those contests taking place at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. What do you guys think of this upcoming week for the Cavs? Uh, I got the Cavs on a big win in the first matchup against Charlotte. I think the second one, when they play them again, I think it's going to be a little closer, which might be a cause for a little bit of concern because Charlotte's not the greatest team. But I think it's just that Charlotte's going to make some adjustments because they're playing the Cavs um, in there. And I think they're going to Cavs are going to lose to the Sixers, and then I think they're going to beat the Wizards. So I think they'll be three and one this week. Other than playing Philly, this sounds like a stroll in the park. I mean, the Hornets—they're uh, a bunch of pipsqueaks, another pipsqueak team. Another, I would say, an average at best team in the Wizards. It's just there's no other team I hate the most than LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball, I think he's the most overhyped player really? in the NBA. Like, seriously, yes. Well, he's he's out most, right now, so. Yeah, he <laughs> he's really so overhyped. I can't stand that father of his as well. I can't stand that whole family. <laughs> it's just he's really overhyped. He's too much of a hot dogger, a showboater. I, I hate everything about LaMelo Ball. I know he got I, skills, but he's just so overhyped. I, I think he's know. actually like... He's obviously the best ball brother, right? I think we yeah, agree on is. that in talent oh, yeah, wise, is. but I think he's also, I don't know, the more reasonable one, I guess. Like, I can follow the metal ball. I'm fine with him. I don't have anything against him. I think Lonzo kind of fell into that whole, you know, the thing with his dad and that whole yeah. controversy that you're kind of talking about there, Marcus. But I agree with you guys for the most part. I think it is kind of a stroll in the park here. I think we get the wins in Charlotte, both of those. But Terry Rozier, scary Terry. I mean, he always oh, yeah. plays well against the Cavs. Oh yeah, though. So I expect him to have big games. But I like the Cavs to go two and two and against the Hornets. Maybe drop the game to the 76ers. Win against the Wizards. So a nice three and one week for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hopefully coming up for the Cavs. We move on though. We're gonna head to break. When we come back. What a better way to begin our last segment with Hot Mike. We're going to answer all of your questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports. Then we have some NFL news to talk about, guys. We have Aaron Rodgers potentially going to the Jets. We have a, a trade in the NFL draft, a lot of Browns news to talk about as well. So you're not going to want to go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss it right here on 88.1 FM WZIP. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the last segment of today's show. It is Sports Power Talk, the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. And my name is Jake Murn, the host of your show. Today, I'm joined by Dev Lucas. How's it going, guys? And I'm joined by Marcus Anderson. Back at it. No uh, entertaining stories to spill for us? On- not, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> okay. Fair enough, Marcus. Fair enough. And can you guys think of a better way 
to start the last segment of Sports Power Talk than with Hot Mike? Because I can't. Can I think of a better way? Not really. No, yeah, not, not, really. not really. Yeah, me either. So let's get to it. Let's get to Hot Mike. This week's questions from our Twitter page at WZIP Sports and the always entertaining Marcus Anderson always brings it when it comes to Hot Mike. This is really where you where you flash out and you, you bring your enthusiasm and your excitement here. Let's start up with Jake Mernigot. He has a couple of questions this week, as he always does. First player that comes to mind when I say Atlanta Braves. Kind of an odd one there. Hank Aaron. Yeah. Um, Hank Aaron. Yeah. I just ordered a Hank Aaron jersey last week. This, of course you did. Today. <laughs> How many jerseys do you have, Marcus? Some around, like, <laughs> I want to say 46 or 50. Okay. Yeah. That's not as much as I thought. Giving away, giving away some, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Right, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Uh, just to get better jerseys, you know, I'm trying to make my game stand out. Okay. <laughs> All right. I see you there. For me, I guess I would say Ronald Acuna Jr. because he's current. Maybe Greg Maddox, but I don't know. It's a very oddball question there from Jake Mernigot. Next up, he says, should Xavier Castaneda have been Mac Player of the Year? I don't think so. I think there – I think – He's good at, like, threes, but I feel like as an all-around player, he's not. As well as the end of the season wasn't the greatest for him either. I think it, he should have been, besides that last game, I mean, he has been producing a lot for us. This probably has been his career best year, really, I'll say. Yeah, I know he was, like, the leading scorer in Ohio. There's a lot to be said for that, but I agree he's kind of... A little bit one-dimensional at times. I think that's the biggest critique of his game. Yeah, it's almost like if you take away that jump shot of his, he wouldn't know what to do. Right. He's not a very pass-heavy point guard. It's you know, averaging, I think, four assists per game, something like that for the Zips this year. In terms of Ray J. Dennis getting it for Toledo, though, I don't necessarily think he deserved it either. Just because Toledo, they're a team full of playmakers. And, of course, they won the MAC conference this year they were number one they were number one seed they lost to Kent State in the championship game but they were the number one seed I feel like that goes into consideration with this a lot as well but Ray J Dennis was just the best player on a team of really good players to where I feel like the MVP could have gone elsewhere whether that be a Xavier Castaneda Enrique Freeman I mean sincere Carey had a argument to be made for Kent State as well I just don't think it should have been Ray J. Dennis and, of course, Xavier Castaneda would have been a good option to go with there as well if you're the Mid-American Conference, but it did go to Ray J. Dennis nonetheless. Next question from Jake Mernago. He says, do you think this Akron team would be better with Ali Ali and Brian Trimble Jr.? Absolutely. Yep, definitely. It's weird, though, because Ali Ali, he transferred to Butler and this year, Pat and I looked at his stats on Thursday at the MAC tournament. He's averaging like seven points a game. Also, good. No, he he didn't start one game. He did yeah. not start. He never started. <laughs> I think his highest scoring game was twelve points. I think he hind- averaged seven. Like he never even started. I think in hindsight, he just should have stayed here. Yeah, I mean, he should have stayed in Akron. Yeah. Him, Enrique, Xavier coming back because really Xavier, what came out onto the scene last year in the MAC tournament. Last year against UCLA, that's really when Xavier made his presence felt. And, of course, all year this year he was electric. Imagine this team with Ali Ali. You would think we would have had a better chance. But, unfortunately, he did leave and didn't have a great year with Butler. Hopefully, you would think if he stayed with John Gross, he just would have developed his game even further from last year. But that remains to be seen. And then Brian Trimble Jr., I think he would have 
just give us uh, some more depth, right, with Sammy Hunter, Trenton Hankerson. I think he would have been a good piece to have as well if you're Akron. Uh, Jake Myrna-Goat's last question for Hot Mike. He asks, Enrique Freeman has to be the most valuable player on Akron after the last few games, right? So, of course, this entire year, we've been questioning and debating on these airwaves, who's the most valuable player of this Zips basketball team? Is it Enrique Freeman? Is it Xavier Castaneda? Jake Myrna-Goat's making the case for Enrique here. Based on the last few games, yeah, Enrique. Season at a whole, Castaneda. Oh, yeah, Enrique Freeman, he's already a candidate for the Carmelone Award, and he's just been that kind of big man for them. And without him, I know I don't know what we will be. Yeah, Enrique is a special talent. He is definitely, I think, the MVP of this team. And I'm very excited to see what he looks like in his last year of eligibility next year. I think the future is really, really high for Enrique. I mentioned it in the first segment where if a guy like Lauren Christian Jackson isn't getting drafted then I don't see many other Akron players getting drafted. But Enrique Freeman, he could break through. And, of course, he's completely different than Lauren Christian Jackson in terms of play style and what they do on the court for their team. I do think Enrique Freeman probably is the MVP at the end of the day for this Zips team. Super talented. And one thing I will say about Enrique Freeman is just his character, too. He's a great guy, great human being. Every single time I see him, he's like, hey, Jake, what's going on? <laughs> and it's, even at the MAC tournament, he beats Buffalo. He comes to the presser. He's like, oh, hey, Jake. <laughs> and he leaves. He says, see you, Jake. Yeah, love it, dude. He's just a great guy, and he should be the MVP of this Akron Zips team. And kind of surprising that Xavier Castaneda was the the representative from Akron on that all-MAC tournament team. Right, Marcus? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's very surprising to not see him on there. Yeah, it was, I believe, two Toledo, two Kent State, and then one Akron player. And, and the lone Akron representative was Xavier Castaneda. I know he went off against Buffalo, but the performance a little underwhelming against Kent State. We mentioned the two for 11, <laughs> three-point range. That, that reminds me of you saying how great of a guy he is. He really is a great guy, really down-to-earth guy. That reminds yeah. me of another entertainment story that <laughs> yesterday it involves with all one of our members. I'm not going to say any name. One of our members of this station... Is it? I already know that you're talking about. Man. <laughs> he met Enrique in the elevator at my apartment, and then he he was like, "Hey, what's up, Enrique?" He was like, "Hey, I got a question." So I'm coming down the street, and I got this bottle of Bacardi or whatever, this Jack Daniels, whatever. I got it down in my jacket. If I'm walking down the street, can you see it or not? Am I able to get away with it, Enrique? His girlfriend was laughing, and Enrique was like, oh, "Nah, bro, you're not gonna get away with that. You you're not getting away with that." <laughs> He has his bottle of, like, liquor down in his jacket, leather jacket. I'm not going to say any names. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But <laughs> he's trying to walk down the street with a bottle of liquor in his jacket. It's like... <laughs> Man, it was, like, less than an hour ago. I go on a rant about how proud I am of WZIP sports members and I hear this story. And you don't have to say names. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not surprised, and thankfully, I think Enrique Freeman did the right thing because he is a good guy, <laughs> and trying to make sure that, you know, whoever it was, na- names aside, <laughs> did the right thing as well. At the end of the day, Rick is my guy. Rick is our guy as well. <laughs> I love that clip. We're going to keep it forever He's a as true well. zip guy. He's a true accurate yeah. guy, man. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that he is, Marcus. That he is. Two more questions in this week's Hot Mike. First, Aaliyah Craig. She asks, in honor of Women's History Month, he was your favorite female athlete of all time. Serena Williams. I figured that name was going to come up. I would say Serena Williams. 
Serena Williams is a good choice. I'm kind of leaning towards Chloe Kim right now, doing incredible things in the Olympics with snowboarding. I just really love that sport when it comes to the Winter Games, the Winter Olympics, the the X Games as well. So there, there's a lot of good choices. And, of course, uh, happy Women's History Month and International Women's Day on March 8th, I believe, this past week as well. Uh, so celebrate those those women in your lives. You know, that's important as well in this this month of March. Last question in Hot Mike, and that actually kind of ends Hot Mike because Kelly Craig, she asked, how do you feel about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers going to the New York Jets? And that's kind of where we're going to start with our NFL segment here to end today's show is these rumors about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. So yesterday morning, Connor Hughes of SNY reported that, that the nuts and bolts of a trade between the Packers and Jets are essentially done. It's up to Rodgers if he wants to become a Jet, retire, or return to the Packers. But when asked about a scenario where Rodgers returns to Green Bay, Packers president Mark Murphy said, quote, I mean, unless if things don't work out the way we want them to, yeah, end quote. There's a lot of things going on here with Green Bay. And, Dev, I believe you're a secondary Packers fan here. What do you make of this uh, Aaron Rodgers to the Jets scenario here? I want him out of Green Bay. I've been saying this since, I don't know, since probably the Lions game. Uh, Maybe even a little bit before that. I want to see what Jordan Love can do. It's it's got to be time to see Jordan Love. I mean, we saw him in a game when Rodgers got hurt. I think it was against the Eagles. He played lights out in that game. And I was shocked he didn't earn, earn another start the rest of the way. I mean, the Packers essentially were kind of on the outside looking in, so I guess they wanted to see what Rodgers can do. But I, I'm ready to see what Jordan Love can do. Um, I think if Rodgers goes to the AFC, it's going to make the AFC a very competitive conference. And the AFC East is going to be probably the most competitive division <coughs> in all of football right now uh, because you're going to have Josh Allen, Tua, and then you're going to have Rodgers. And then, I don't know, there's something on the Patriots, but uh, it's going to be a, yeah, that's why it drops off, but it'll be a, uh, it's going to be a very competitive division. Yeah, that's a good point, and not what I was expecting you to say at all, you want Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. Yeah, I'm ready to see what Jordan Love can do. That's just... And that's fair enough, but as a Packers fan, you know, you have a better grasp on the Cheesehead factory than we do, Marcus and I, and the listeners, so... Is that kind of the consensus in Green Bay right now? Like, get Aaron Rodgers out? Or are you one of those side fans who are kind of saying these things? It's very divided, Packers fans are. A lot of people like Aaron Rodgers because of the fixed thing. But it's kind of like he didn't play as well as he normally did last year. And maybe his age was showing something there. Could have been the receivers, I guess. But I think at the end of the day, we just need to see what Jordan Love can do. Interesting. Well, Marcus... You've been on these airwaves comparing Aaron Rodgers to a salad before. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was Tom Brady. That was Tom Brady. <laughs> was it? Yeah, it was Tom Brady. I'm like 90% sure it was to a salad. No. I'm like 99% sure it was Aaron Rodgers. Nah, it was Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm going to text Logan Congrove like in two seconds, and he's going to get back to me, and he's going to tell me it was Aaron Rodgers. I guarantee you, he tells you it, it, it was Tom Brady. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna make the text here in a matter of moments, but what do you think Aaron Rodgers in this whole scenario with the Jets? Uh, I think it's most likely not. I just saw the Jets uh, freeing up $15.3 million in cap space. So it's like very possible. They're like a good financial financial care to get Aaron Rodgers on their roster. But I really wish it doesn't happen because knowing the Jets' history of just ruining legendary players, superstar players, guys like Brett Favre, LaDainian Tomlinson, even Ed Reed and Le- Le- Le'Veon Bell, 
guys you consider that was once superstars that was ruined by the gang green in Gotham City. It just the Jets had a history of ruining superstars and legendary players. So I really wish that doesn't happen. I really don't want to see that happen to Aaron Rodgers. Even though this new Jets team, I'm kind of feeling some optimism about this team with the new talent, offensive rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year, Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson. I really like those two players. It's a very talented roster and might be a culture change in New York by Robert Robert Saleh. And but I it's the Jets after all and I don't want I really don't want to see this happen. I think a lot of times it's because the Jets pick up players a lot of times when they're not in the prime of their career anymore. Yeah, that's true. And Rodgers, I don't think he. I think he's pretty much washed at this point. I think he's a, he's a, he looked like Eli Manning last season towards the mm-hmm. end of his career, and I think that's how Rodgers is going. He might look worse next season. Hopefully, Marcus, sorry, go ahead. I was okay. Uh, hopefully, not as bad as Matt Ryan and the Colts this year, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's really the the floor for Rodgers next season. It really could be that bad. Marcus, Logan Congrove got back to me already. You want to know what he said? What did he say? He said you compared Aaron Rodgers to a salad. I did not. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was what? Aaron Rodgers, man. I did not. <laughs> All right, whatever, man. I'm, either way. I'm <laughs> All right, let's just say I did, but I did. So I did. <laughs> do you, if you did, which, which you did, is he still a salad? I would say he is a solid. I would say he is a solid. He, he's, oh my goodness. he's fresh all the time. He's still fresh. Say whatever you want about him. He's still fresh like solid. Well, my biggest question here is like, he goes to the Jets. Do we have a Russell Wilson to the Broncos situation brewing here? Or is that completely off base? I would see that happening. It is the Jets after all. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I think it could happen, but... Also, I'm not expecting a lot out of Rodgers next season. Yeah, he seemed his age was clearly showing last season. Yeah, I mean, you saw so, what you saw what they did to Le'Veon Bell and, <laughs> and played the other superstar players in the past. So I really, I really think it's incredibly possible. We see like what Matt Ryan did in the Colts with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. It's yeah. just going to be a f- complete fall off, and yeah. that's what I think is going to end up happening. Oh yeah, I would agree with that. But you also. We recall seeing what Joe Montana did with the Chiefs at the end of his career, what Brett Favre did at the end of his career with the Vikings and Tom Brady with the Buccaneers, Peyton May with the Broncos. At the same time, this might be kind of a good situation. I mean, Matt, he's going to be reunited with Matt LaFleur, uh, uh, one of his office coordinators that he worked with in the past, one of his position coaches that he worked with pretty well. So I think it might be kind of a good and so kind of a familiar situation he's falling into, kind of. So it might be a good fit. But I wouldn't take any chances. This is an NFL. Anything could happen. It's just hard to imagine him in that jet, blue, that jet green yeah. color and the black and the white there. It's just hard to imagine him in... In my opinion, the ugliest jersey in all the NFL right now is the New York Jets' current jerseys that they have. And it's going to be weird. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is certainly one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Does he still have it? Especially if he goes to a team like the Jets. We've seen quarterbacks succeed with a different team in the past. And you mentioned them, Marcus, but we've also seen just recently Russell Wilson go to uh, the Broncos and, and fail quite miserably. I'm not saying that. These players are the same status, but it will be interesting to see if that trade does happen. I thought this morning that it could happen during Sports Power Talk. Of course, it hasn't, but we'll keep an eye on it. He has said that his decision is going to come soon, and that he doesn't want people to wait on his decision. 
We talked about it last year. We're talking about it this offseason as well, this Aaron Rodgers drama. We'll see how this situation plays plays out. But the biggest news, aside from the Aaron Rodgers news to the Jets potentially happening, is the NFL draft. As the Bears have officially traded the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft, as kind of expected by many people out there, but it was the new or the Carolina Panthers trading for the number one overall pick in the draft. They sent DJ Moore, the ninth overall pick this year, a second round pick in 2023, a first round pick in 2024, and a second round pick in 2025 to the Bears for the first overall pick in this year's NFL draft. It's a big haul for the first overall pick, guys. What do you think? Was this the right call for both the Bears and the Panthers? Well, the Panthers way overpaid for this. Let's be honest here. Uh, they gave they gave way too much for this. Also, something else that I think is really crazy is that the Bears 100% need need a quarterback. Just Justin Fields not not the answer. Yet you're going to trade away the number one overall pick. Like he's had down seasons. They benched him like three times last season. But okay, I mean, I guess that's what they're going to do. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the Bears definitely won this trade, I think. Wow. Not confident in Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is the answer in oh, Chicago, and you're getting no, a guy man. like DJ Moore. I think the Bears ran away with this trade. I think they got an A-plus if you were to grade this trade. Marcus, kind of where where do you fall in this Justin Fields talk? Oh, yeah, I think I, Justin Fields is a really same player. I mean, the reason why he was able to just rush for a 1,000 yards, just the third quarterback in NFL history to do so, it may seem like he was just a running quarterback just because that offense was just didn't know what to do. I mean, this is a first-year head coach you're dealing with. Didn't really know what to expect or what to do with this new cast of players, first-time head coach. But it's just, with this trade anyway, I mean, him and – DJ Moore could be really exciting to watch. I mean, he really needed that true, legitimate number one receiver. And DJ Moore is exactly like that. But with this trade, it's just like, it's like I just, I'm in the cafeteria. I just trade away my bologna sandwich for like an orange and a bunch of animal crackers. Or maybe an orange and a bag of carrots. But it's just like, I'll say maybe the Bears are the winners of this trade just because Got a lot of draft capital from Carolina and also a great receiver that could be a Pro Bowl receiver finally in DJ Moore. Yeah, the draft capital is huge, but I think DJ Moore is the bigger piece of the puzzle here. I mean, getting DJ Moore and getting a piece that the Chicago Bears offense really, really needs. They established the run game well last year, but it just seemed like Justin Fields had nobody to throw to. Now you get DJ Moore... And you only moved down eight spots in the draft. And with four pretty decent quarterbacks going into this draft, you expect them to be gone by then maybe? At number eight or at number nine this year, you're going to get a good weapon alongside DJ Moore and Justin Fields on that offense, you would think, at number nine in the NFL draft too. So I think really highly of the draft. And this could be a very exciting offense. You got – they got two – solid running backs too, David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. I mean, is this a playoff team in 2023? No. HD double hockey sticks? No. But Mm. this could be a exciting team to watch. Yeah, it could be. So, And there are reports that the Panthers, if they're interested in multiple quarterbacks, they might move down now in the draft. They might make another trade, but We'll see if that happens, and we'll see exactly who the Panthers pick. Of course, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud in the mix, even a guy like Anthony Anderson and Will Levis making a, a name for themselves as well This in this quarterback class of the 2023 NFL Draft. We leave that there, though, when we talk about the Browns and 
Wide receivers, obviously one of the biggest needs if you're the Cleveland Browns alongside defensive tackles. And Mary Kay Cabot this week confirmed that the Browns were one of 12 teams that attended Odell Beckham Jr.'s private workout in Arizona, quote, doing their due diligence here. And I hate it. I do not want to see an OBJ reunion up here in Cleveland. What do you guys think? And please tell me you're aligned with my thoughts. I would love to see an OBJ reunion here in Cleveland because Baker was the problem. It was not OBJ. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Marcus, you're probably going to agree with that, aren't you? Um, I mean, I don't know why we talk about any receivers. I mean, we kind of got good enough receivers. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper. I think he's very overlooked. Donovan Peoples-Jones is very overlooked. Amari Cooper is your number one. I just think depth is a big thing. Like, if Amari Cooper goes down... There's nothing left. Yeah, well, definitely. I mean, we need, like, maybe a third great possession, possession type of receiver, you know. Maybe look into McCole Hardman. He might be going to free agency very soon. He'll fit very well in our system. Yeah. The Browns need a true number one because Cooper's more of a slot guy, so that's the problem. And I think OBJ would be that. And obviously he wasn't great when he was here in Cleveland, but that's Baker's fault 100%. I don't know, guys. I Stefanski, he <clears throat> couldn't figure him out once. What makes you think he'll be able to do it this time around? Of course, you're without Baker, so you could argue that. But OBJ had one game for the Browns where he had 100-plus receiving yards and a touchdown. And a guy like Amari Cooper had done it twice in the first three games of this year. Biggest thing with me, Odell Beckham Jr. has baggage. I don't want baggage in Cleveland. We already have a way too much baggage with Deshaun Watson. I don't want any more Get Odell Beckham Jr. the furthest thing away from Cleveland. I don't want him, and mainly because there are other options on the board. And Mary Kay Cabot reported that the Browns are also interested in names like Brandon Cooks, Elijah Moore, and you mentioned this name, Marcus, McCole Hardman this offseason. So maybe we're interested in those names, maybe some other names as well. And this kind of gets into our Around the Root question for this week. Leaving it for the last thing on today's Sports Power Talk is who should the Browns go after at wide receiver this offseason? So I have a pick. Dev has a pick. Marcus has a pick. These are going to be the three options, and then we're going to leave the fourth option as other for you to vote on on our Twitter page, at WZIP Sports. Of course, around the Rue, where we debate around the table and bring it to you. I'll start with my pick, Adam Thielen. That's who the Browns should target this offseason. That's my pick. Adam Thielen was released by the Vikings on Friday after nine seasons. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. Sure, he's 32. He's losing his speed. He's not as healthy as he used to be, but his hands are fantastic. He's a touchdown machine, and we could get him on a team-friendly one-year deal. I think he fits the system that we have right now alongside Donovan Peoples-Jones and Amari Cooper in the wide receiver room. I'd love to see Thielen as a Cleveland Brown. Dev, who's your pick? I would love to see Will Fuller oh. back with Deshaun Watson. Those okay. two in chemistry back in Houston, and I think it would <clears throat> really help Deshaun Watson come along in his second year in Cleveland. All right, so we have Adam Thielen, Will Fuller, Marcus. Oh, yeah, yours. McCall Hardman. I mean, the kind of speed he has and what everything he's capable of. I, I think if we get him in our system, get him with the Browns, we could end up using him as, like, the way we used to use Josh Krebs, you know, with the kind of speed he has. Maybe have him return a couple of punts, have him turn a couple of kicks. Maybe have him in the wildcat option, uh, have him at quarterback sometimes, run some jet sweeps with him, run some reverses. And, you know, I would like to have Miko Harmon in this offense. All right. I'm surprised Brandon Cooks didn't come up. I feel like a lot of people are going to vote other and around the roof for Brandon Cooks. But the options are Adam Thielen, Will Fuller, 
Nicole Hardman and other. It is live right now on Twitter at WZIP Sports. So go check it out and vote and let us know why in the comments why you think the Browns should target that specific wide receiver this offseason in what should be a very interesting offseason for this Cleveland Browns as they try to leap into contendership status here in the AFC. And that's going to do it for the March 12th edition of Sports Power Talk. We talked about a multitude of different things. Unfortunately, the Zips basketball season is over, but I'm proud of our coverage, like I mentioned, and the madness that is sports in March is far from over. I'm excited about it. Everyone here is excited about it, and you should be too. Hopefully everyone involved with the men's and women's basketball programs here at the University of Akron keeps their heads up. Yes, it didn't go our way, and the future is unclear, especially with women, but we'll rebound just fine. I do have confidence in that. And thank you for everyone's support for the past week on Twitter at WZIP Sports for our coverage of the 2023 Mid-American Conference Tournament. Go vote in our Around the Root question and engage with other content as well while you're there. Also, make sure to check out our podcast, SBT Rewind and SBT Overtime, wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me on today's show were... Dev Lucas. Marcus Anderson. This is Jake Murren. I won't be here next week, not because I don't want to be here, but because I'll be getting my wisdom teeth taken out this week. I'm not looking forward to it whatsoever, but you should look forward to next week's SBT as Alex Henry makes his return to the hosting chair. Until then, be kind to one another, Akron, and SBT will be back same time and place next week on 881 WZIP.